lot of bullshit going on down here. Someday this is gonna go right for me. <laughs> now I can't hear Karen. No bullshit. Somebody shoot. Hold on, let's just end breaking this. Double or bullshit. Double or bullshit. No bullshit. Live from the House of Skank in Drew's lower level. The No Bullshit News Hour, where everything we tell you comes true. <laughs> and everything we touch breaks. By the way, everything I touch breaks. Is it yours? We, I, I, you know, what, hey, dude, what's your boss's name again? <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> Bernie, you said you are going to fix the freaking internet, Bernie. <laughs> All I get is some creepy dude sitting here staring at me every show, and the internet doesn't work. <laughs> well, now you have two creepy dudes staring at you. I keep promising the audience this thing's going to get better. Oh, my God. Stop <laughs> staring at me. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got a you know, big show where all the stuff come true. The GOP, the, the, the State Oversight Committee, found that there's no election fraud. We'll get to that. Biden does a flip-flopperoo on defunding the police. We'll get to that. It is the seven-year anniversary of the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. On West Florissant Avenue is our very own Detroit... Nope, let's no, strike that. Yeah. Comedian St. Louis Red. <laughs> He's in St. Louis, our sister city today. And a very special guest is Pastor Barry Randolph from the Church of the Messiah on the city's east side. Now, you want to talk about police, you want to talk about equity, you want to talk about personal responsibility. This guy lives the life. I've been making a film for a couple years and he's in it. Really? Yeah, we know. This is the real dude. And as always, the beautiful, the elegant, and the smartest woman in journalism, Karen Dumas. Hi, Karen. Thank you. I'll take that. I'm good. <laughs> now, if you could fix the freaking internet in here. <laughs> now, it's a, it's a big one. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the crime. We are the only news organization, Karen, that's even been doing this for the last couple of years. Telling the truth. Right, Pastor Barry? Pastor Barry knows the truth. Let's get to it. And by the way, surprise, surprise, Detroit, the most segregated city in America. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And why is that? It's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of historical reasons, and there's a lot of reasons about our governance. Basically, mm -hmm. people wanting to get the hell out. Who's left? People that love it, of course, and people who can't get out. Yeah. Okay. People either stayed or they were stuck. And right. those are the people that are left. And loincloth Larry. <laughs> loincloth Larry's left. I'll explain in a minute. What is that buzzing in my ear? Can you hear that? What's that going on? Uh, that was Zoom. Oh, Someone on Zoom rattling around. Zoom. All right, as always, ladies and gentlemen, the No Bullshit News Hour is brought to you by American Coney Island, Detroit's oldest family-run restaurant and birthplace of the famous Detroit Coney Dog. Chili, mustard, and Vidalia onions. Downtown at the corner of Lafayette and Michigan Avenue. Can't miss it. It's the red, white, and blue building that I painted. Current hours are 11 to 3 on Monday through Thursday. 
Open till midnight on Friday and Saturday and noon to six on Sunday. And by the way, they're hiring. Good. One more thing. I send a Coney kit for the 4th of July. Right? Put in your order yeah. now. Very a cool. dozen dogs with all the fixings delivered right to your grill. Just go to AmericanConeyIsland.com or go to uh, Gold Belly. Yeah, that's I'll right. Go Belly. Karen's favorite site. All right. Oh, so, yeah. So let's let's do this. Let's let's start with this. The Michigan Senate Oversight Committee. This is some quick news, folks. Just quick little bit of news. Uh, came out with a report. Mm-hmm. It's months long, right? Thousands of documents, hours of testimony. They said there's zero credibility to the claims that the election was rigged in Michigan. Even the guy that gave testimony saying he was a forensic analyst didn't have access to the votes. Where have I heard that before? You heard it here. Yeah. Right? You heard it here, Karen. Seven months ago. So what does Trump do? What does Trump do? He immediately starts his, you know, blasting. He called it a cover-up, a method of getting out of a forensic audit. He called, uh, now listen, Senator Shirky and Senator McBroom yeah. are no middle-of-the-roaders. No, no, These are some crusty, hardcore, right-wing Republicans, right? So what Trump says, uh, they want to, quote, investigate the patriots who have fought for the truth and who are exposing a very possibly rigged election. Stop it. Are we done with it now, do you think? No. <laughs> Great. Okay. And who, who would say, say who's a patriot? That's like, you don't get to say you're a patriot. You're making the word sound dirty. Yeah. I'm a patriot. It's like a progressive. What's so progressive about what you're thinking? What's progressive about defunding the police? Yeah. It's not stupid. At all. Backwards. Right? Look at Pastor Barry. Right, Pastor Barry? <laughs> this is, yeah, let's, let's go. okay at the same time president biden aims to bolster police departments his homicides and shootings are through the roof remember the how much was it here i I got my i got my numbers what was it 350 billion dollars in covid stimulus i never mind stimulating Mm post-covid put it to the cops do it i don't get this uh, why? That's the switchover? Okay, first of all, do we need the $350 billion since you can just change your mind what we're doing with it? Do we have $350 billion? Wasn't it exactly a year ago today everybody in Congress has taken a knee? Yeah. Okay. So, so nothing has really changed. So now, like, put it to the police? Well, yeah, why not? If they want to give us the money, yeah, let's put it towards the police. Is that the solution, Karen? You've worked in City Hall, a one-time injection of overtime. No, not a one-time injection. It is not. We need something strategic. We need it comprehensive. We need it community-based. We don't need a uh, textbook page in terms of law enforcement. I mean, we don't. And we cannot keep recycling the same initiatives and expecting different results. That sounds way too hard. Uh, let's just throw money at it instead. You mean a plan? Yeah. A long-term plan. Pastor. How many people, this guy walks the walk, right? This, this guy, job training, housing, internet for people that don't have it. The Church of the Messiah is bad to the bone. He's known all over the world. How many people do you know? How many young people, sir, have come through your doors and ended up in the ground from a bullet wound? Oh, wow. I was doing um, funerals as soon as I got ordained. And I was literally 
um, burying children. That's part of the reason why we do all the stuff that we do was because of the fact of um, I didn't sign up to bury children. It was more so the fact that I want to come in and make a difference. Um, then looked up and our, our young people were dying at an alarming rate. And it was almost like we got to do something about this. So we got to work on issues of our society, our community. We got to work on issues of poverty. Where does that type of hopelessness come from that you think the only way to solve conflict resolution is with a gun? So there, there's other things that we have to do in order to get this problem right. Uh, are we getting ripped off by, by City Hall and, and their messiness with contracts and community gardens and roofing projects? Do you see a real strategy to stop death? The thing about it is there's so many. I, I, I agree with Karen. There's so many times when. Um, folks want to throw money at a project. They want to throw money. What, what is the uh, hip thing to do? What is the popular thing to do? But we forget about what is the human thing to do. We all look for uh, peace and happiness in our life. And that's one of the things that we want. But we live in a society where we won't bring about peace. We don't really want to have uh, the issue of um, true racism, systemic, systemic racism, the history of Detroit when it comes to racism, when it comes to poverty. Um, those are the issues that we really need to be talking about. Yeah, we got we got to figure out a way to pull everybody up. I think everybody in America knows that, right? I just think yes. that. So now, again, look at the leadership. Trump, go away. Biden, get a clue. I mean, we're all over the fucking place, and everybody's dying on the vine out here. No leadership, man. Does it, does it also fall in the laps of those who are responsible for channeling those resources? I mean, people that sit in those circles, um, you know, whether it's with Biden or whatever, to be able to speak up and speak out. I mean, Pastor Barry, have you been in any of those meetings or been around the table with Biden or any of his people to help direct or identify what resources are needed in the city? Well, the interesting thing about it is it always seemed like the people who should be at the table are never, never at the there. table. Exactly. So one of the things that we did was we created our own table. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always that philosophy or that saying that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And so too many of our people are on the menu. And one of the things that we did, we created our own table where we started inviting um, our folks to the table so that we can make the difference ourselves. Of course, we believe in holding our, um, our politicians and leaders accountable. But it was the thing that we have to build a power base and it's got to be from the grassroots. And so then we started getting everybody, the Brock Clubs, the 501c3s, Ray Ray and Pookie from down the street, Miss Jackson, who've been holding the Brock Club together. They all have a voice. And so many times we just quietly built out our power base. We've been buying the land, taking care of the land, building the houses, doing what was necessary, making sure we provide the Internet. Make sure that uh, we hold the businesses accountable to hire the people out of the community and neighborhood. Uh, a lot of that is also personal responsibility of things that we can do without looking to the politicians and law enforcement and big business who can never seem to get it right. Now we look at it like that. Let's, I hate to bring this up, but like Pastor Barry, well, you, you, you just you never believe it. It's beautiful. Come to church there. It, it's great. Every summer he has a you know, stop the violence parade. It's awesome. Cheerleaders, a hundred piece brass band, drums, thousands of people just peacefully marching. One of your right hand women, Frankie, what was her last name? Frankie uh, Marks. Frankie Marks in my film. Frankie Marks, mother of seven. 
works with Barry. Stop the violence. Let's get together. Let's demand more of ourselves. Doing the demand work. more. The real work. About three weeks later, after the parade in 19, she's out at the park. They're having a barbecue, a family celebration. A couple of assholes getting a beef over a pair of a Jordan sneakers. Starts shooting. She lays over her one of her children to protect the child, and she gets hit, and she's dead. Right, Barry? Yes. Did they ever catch her killer? Uh, not that I'm aware of to this day. Boom. So there is so much to this. There's so much about equity. There's about the internet that Duggan helped yeah. steal from the kids. We'll get to that. But there's got to be some price to pay when you're popping off a weapon and you're killing people. It's basic. So yes. Because if you don't, it keeps happening. Yeah, who knows what the guy's done since. Yeah. Well, we all know it. Plenty of examples of that this week. But it goes yes. back to what Pastor Barry said. You have a generation of people who are hopeless and who feel as though they have nothing to lose. So they don't care. Um, that's part of what has to either be introduced or restored. So they don't care about the penalty. They don't care about dying. They don't care about the fallout of their actions in their lives or the lives of the person on the other side of the, of the, of the, of the, of the gun. They, they just don't, they don't care. Here's the latest pastor. Tell me what you think of this. Hey folks out there, share, share, share. Don't believe the hype. You're now seeing it on your local news. The Operation Restore Order. Right? You seeing this, Pastor? You seeing it, Karen? Mark? No. Okay, what they're doing is they're taking a page of what Chief Craig did in 2014, which is flood the zone, a whole neighborhood, 200 cops. Start shaking it down. Let me put this in perspective. Remember last year? They stop and frisk. Yeah. Stop oh, doing yeah. it. Big deal. Huh? Right. Stop work. pulling people over. Now they're doing it to the whole communities, whole blocks. And I'll guarantee you, it doesn't work. Is that just to make it look like they're doing something? Yes. But, but again, they're trying theater. to That's do the theater of crime fighting. It is. Here's what they got. How about just putting more police out there? Here's what they got. When they, uh, all these dozens and dozens of cops, all the armament, everything. 20, 20 felony arrests, eight misdemeanor arrests, 410 uh, ordinance violations, 11 firearms confiscated, 20 vehicles impounded, three search warrants executed, 314 people questioned, and a variety of drugs, 40 grams or less. Were so wow. what we get? Because guess what happened later that night? Shootings. Always. There got to be a strategy and there's got to be funding. How many times we got to say it? Yes. Karen, you, you, I thought you had a really interesting point about uh, these people not caring. Uh, Pastor Barry, how, how do you make young people care about the consequences of their actions? Well, for the most part, I believe that most young people are good, that they are good. They are um they're born into a society that is not right. I mean, we created a, a society to where you can buy a gun anywhere. We created a society where 40%, um, um, like 40% of the people in Detroit live in poverty. Uh, they didn't create that. They, they didn't create the, the drug epidemic that's, that's in this world. Those are things that they're inheriting it. They inherited this and they want to make a way in the world. And you hear about... Um, if you go out, you get a job, you go to school, you do the right thing, you know, all of these wonderful things are going to happen. 
But when you go into a subpar school, when you're in a neighborhood where there is no economy, where there is no supermarket, um, you stop and you look and you become hopeless relatively quickly. So one of the things that we have to do is we have to make sure that they're provided the opportunity to be able to soar. So one of the things that we did at the church uh, that we still do, we make sure they have those opportunities. So we created a business incubation center. So if they don't know how to start a business, they can come do that. We created a employment office where uh, even if you are a convicted felon, we will work with you in order to help find you a job. Uh, our marching band that Frankie was in, the mother of seven, who actually helped with our marching band and our drill team and the cheer team, she was part of that marching band. Our marching band over the last eight years helped to get 409 kids in college. It is wow. a literacy program that actually works through music. So we have to work and figure out the different ways of how to be able to help our kids where they are. Why is the church responsible <laughs> for this? Well, I got tired of burying children. So I had to look at my personal responsibility. What is it that I could do? I was not going to go out and say God is good and live in a neighborhood that was a war zone that looked like Beirut, like somebody dropped a, a bomb on it uh, where there was no jobs and no hope. And yet and still we say God is good. That to me is spiritual malpractice. And Detroit has 4,000 churches. So this should be the holiest place on earth. So we got to find ways of being able to work together to be able to figure this out. Uh, this is not rocket scientists. And this is people. Every person wants the same thing. All people want to live in a safe community. Every parent wants their child educated. Everybody wants to be able to get a job with living wage. The fact that we can't figure this out is only because we don't want to. There's a large portion of people who just don't want to. We just want to make it difficult. And our children are inheriting this and they don't want to grow up in this. This is not their they did not create this. Now, of course, if you do something wrong, there's personal responsibility that you have to be able to take. But this is a systemic problem that we literally can solve if we really want to be able to do it. Well, Pastor, and if the church could do this. Hold on now. Hey, no, no, don't don't go on a ramble now. Go ahead, Karen. No, I just want to I just want to inject here because you said two things that I want people to pay attention to. We got four thousand churches here. We have more churches, more liquor stores and more nonprofit organizations than we need. But someone, uh, you know, I monitor our social media while we're doing the show. And in part, they have a lengthy message from Kenneth Reed. And he says, Pastor Barry is a great man who truly deserves more recognition for your efforts. He said that, I guess they ran into some hard, you know, they ran into something with their program. You generously opened up your facility and rescued the program and many teenagers benefited. I say that to say, you are doing what everybody should do. And it should be for the greater good and not for personal gain. That to me is the biggest holdup of us progressing as a community. You know, you know where, uh, you know how we, when we got Jordan, our our young, yeah, charged, yeah, good dude. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, we all helped him get a car and everything. He's working, taking yep. care of his younger brothers. I met him at Pastor Barry's church. Pastor Barry find a young guy that's got stuff, who wants to do something and has no direction, and he gets him through. I submit to you, everybody. That on every corner of every street in this entire country, there's a flower waiting to grow. It just needs yeah. some human water. That's, that's how we're going to get out. I was speaking at a library once and this lady came in and she spoke before me and she was clutching her purse. And she was talking about how uncomfortable she was. Like how we, we have to stop being afraid of our young people 
And we have to stop penalizing them for not knowing what we have not taught them. Like you right. look in the eye and speak to them. If you see them, if, they do, if they're doing something wrong, hey, you got to reach out to them and say something, engage. They want to be cared about. They probably don't care because they think that we don't care about them. Right. And all the shit gets right. stolen, doesn't it? All these politicians and these parties, it's like a fraternity and sorority. Everybody's really cool and got all these great ideas. <laughs> and then the money evaporates and the kids got nothing. It's just, isn't that true, Pastor? Isn't it? Yeah, the thing about it is we, we got to find another way of being able to do this. There's so many things that don't work. There's so many things that don't work, but we keep trying to make these same things that don't work, work. And that is the definition of insanity. We have to find new ways to be able to do this. But I just want to say, too, that at the human level, there's so many people who are qualified to be able to help those people who can bring the help. Those are the ones they don't get the money. Pa Pastor Barry, have they you have you have you ever had somebody in government or leadership say, I'm going to do this for you and follow through on it? How often does that ever happen? Uh, that don't happen for the most part. Lately, we've <laughs> been getting the foundations that come um, and we're trying to work within the government. Uh, because we've been teaching our young people, like, for instance, I'm so proud of them. Just so you all know, Church of the Messiah is a mixed race congregation of a little over 300 people on average. Our congregation is black, white, Latino and Asian. It is 60 percent black male under the age of 30. Wow. 60 percent of our congregation is black male under the age of 30. Everybody always say, how did you get so many young black men to come to church? They don't reject God. They reject the package of church. They're cynical. They want the greatness, the power, this, that, and the other. They don't know how to go get it. And the powers that be a lot of times become the obstructionists because we kind of take away their humanity and we try to compartmentalize it and we try to make it a program or something that's dealing with outreach. But it should be just because they're human, because they showed up on the planet, uh, that they have, they're, they're worthy. Not we should look at them because you come from the east side, because you come from a, a neighborhood that's not part of a project that's going on. Um, that's that shouldn't be the reason why you get anything. It should be because of the fact that you are human and so, you so, deserve these things. Those are the things that we really got. I agree on. with that. That's what I want to say. Progressives, Black Lives Matter, patriots, conservatives. I'm, I'm with you all. I, we all want a more perfect union. We want a better way. I think it's got to start with calling the government into account. That's the that's the binding force, and you you hear it time and again. Whether it's the Wall Street Titan or it's it's the the street pastor, man, we're getting screwed, and we all know. We know it from the nursing. We know it is rotten. So I'm gonna do my rant, which of course is brought to you by Luke Nowacki. Overreaction, ladies and gentlemen, is not a strategy for the long-term financial health of you and your family. You need a plan. You need focus. You need someone to listen to you that understands how you want to grow old, what kind of assets you have, do you want a house, what you should do with the house, right? How are you going to get there? You call Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth at 248 663 47 Four, eight. That's what you do. Remember, don't guess. Don't gamble. Don't cross your fingers. 
Praying's good, but a lot of times Jesus doesn't come. <laughs> Take care of yourself and yours. Luke Nowacki. Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. All right. All right. I have a friend who works downtown. He sometimes opens the sore first thing in the morning. Now more than ever, he finds lunatics and drunks flopped out in the doorway. He asks them to move. That's when things get surly. Some howl, some threaten, and that's how it goes when the ill don't have their meds. One guy, let's call him Loincloth Larry, walks around naked except for an oversized bandana tied around his junk. So my pal calls the cops. Sometimes the operator puts him on hold. After five minutes, he'll hang up and call again. Sometimes nobody answers. Now, I don't want problems, my pal tells me. I don't want to end up on the news. So sometimes he delays opening the store and sits in his car waiting for the bare-ass buckaroo to grow hungry and amble on down the road. It's best not to look backwards in America. There's no future in that. But then again, is this what our future looks like post-COVID? What's going on around here? What's the plan? Rent is too damn high. Gas is too damn high. Food is too damn high. Homelessness is too damn high. And crime is a goddamn outrage. In the wake of George Floyd's murder, we've had a year of striding calls across the country for defunding the police. Our own goofball congressional representative, Rashida Tlaib, went so far as to tweet... No more policing, incarceration. It can't be reformed. Idiot. That's true. Idiot. And talk like that has had its debilitating effect. It should be remembered that Detroit cops have been heading for the door since they were partially defunded hmm. in the city's bankruptcy settlement and hundreds of others have beat it for other jurisdictions. Officers are overworked and undermanned some may not feel incentivized to answer high-priority calls as a matter of priority. The headlines are appalling. A two-year-old was murdered in a case of mistaken identity. The shooters, I'm told, were looking to avenge the prior shooting of three of their associates. They got the wrong car, cops tell me. So numb have we become to the violence, the triple shooting that set the whole thing in motion didn't warrant a single sentence in any mainstream media report, as far as I'm aware. Gangbangers and drifters know there's a yawning lack of police presence on city streets, and so they drive around with impunity. Then there's the person of interest in a double uh, homicide in Detroit who was freed on a tether while waiting a murder trial in Washtenaw County, oh, yeah. right? They let him out of jail. Yep. The naive judge had given him a COVID release because he'd been in jail too long, placed him on a, an ankle tether and set him free. But wouldn't you know it? Guess what alleged murderers do when they're let out with an ankle tether? Guess what they do? Uh, they probably don't follow the law. They tend to cut the tethers off, which is what he did. And no one in a position of authority appears to have made it a priority to track down this person of interest. So he turned himself in. There's no great After sleuthing. Yeah. Last year was the bloodiest year in America in a quarter century, and it's worse this year. Detroit, by my calculation, will again rank as one of the nation's most violent cities. And who are the victims? The people in the neighborhoods where Pastor Barry ministers and leads. 
and tries to help those who call 911 and are put on hold. Chief James Craig is retired. He's off to greener pastures and a run for uh, the governor's office, I think, <laughs> if he can manage to get his act together. <laughs> Chief James E. White was named his interim replacement. And while White has reinvigorated the department with his professionalism and his de attention to detail and his Operation Restore Order, there's no real long-term plan in Detroit to do much about crime besides throwing a few Biden bucks at uh, the police for overtime. But who's working that overtime? The police who are already working the overtime. Remember, they're working double shifts. And remember, this is an election year. Mayor Duggan should have his feet held to the fire media. More than 500 children have been shot since he took office in 2014. We're the capital of that, by the way. Unacceptable. All Five. the while, billions of public dollars have gone to sweetheart contracts, developer <laughs> subsidies, and the mayor's bloated bureaucracy. God. Beleaguered citizens continue to run for the city limits. And wouldn't you know it, those left behind, according to a new report from Cal Berkeley, go Bears, <laughs> those left behind now live in America's most segregated neighborhoods. Shame. As for the bedazzled man in the bandana bloomers? Yeah, Larry. Larry. The police showed up, uh, what's today, Friday? Yep. Yesterday morning with a mental health worker at their side. Okay. So thank you, Interim Chief White. But by the time the cops arrived, loincloth Larry had shambled on down the boulevard. So. I have a feeling he'll be back. Let's review. Wow. Uh, we need, remember, like, when all white people go crazy? See, yeah. black people shoot each other. They think they got a, a legitimate reason, like there's a beef. White people get them, just go crazy, and just shoot a bunch of people they don't know. Yeah. Right? And it's just, At one time, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, really... it's, it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. We talk about, hey, it's not the gun, it's I mental. Shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh, but it's true, It man. is true. Okay, remember the mental health shit we were talking around last cycle? Yes. The hospital, the mental health. Have they fixed it yet? <laughs> well, look at Loincloth Larry. I guess not. So now we got $350 billion. We're supposed to help the mentally ill. We're supposed to defund the police. Now we're going to fund the police. Now what are we doing? Karen, Barry, what are we doing? Is anything changing? <laughs> no. No. It's not. It's really not. And the thing about it is, Charlie, and then I'm going to, Pastor Barry, I want to hear your perspective. It's like nobody is holding anybody accountable, meaning if they don't talk about it, the average person doesn't think about it or it's not reminded of them. Like you said, we've been dealing with this for so long. Nobody knew that there are 500 child uh, gun yes. for, the, for, for this administration. Nobody's talking about the loss of population, which was something that this administration this mayor said, hold him. That would be his method of measurement. Nobody's talking about the fact that we've got a large city that is built for too many people. We, we Somebody mentioned in the, in the comments, you know, Dave Bing tried to look at restructuring and downsizing the city and nobody wanted to do it. We are not functioning in a capacity where we will be productive and nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares. Hello, nobody Flint. And also, too, the other thing that we need to look at is so much in these communities as you look at violent crimes. There's so much untreated trauma in Detroit. We don't get to the root causes. This, 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 we deal with a lot of untreated trauma. If you think about this, I'm just throw a number out there, 300 murders in Detroit a year, pre-COVID, uh, before COVID. And you stop and you think about all these murders. 
And you have like all these family members who are dealing with that murder, crime, violence, and then their friends. And you keep multiplying this every year, multiplying this every year, every year, every year. There's so much anger. There's so much depression. And people don't know what to do with that. You know, a lot of people feel as though there's almost like a, a, a dark cloud happening in our communities and neighborhoods because people don't know to, where to go with all of this untreated trauma. It's insane, man, because, you know, like, like go to the suburb, go to the bagel shop. There's a little old wizened white man who wants to punch your face out because he doesn't want to stand in line. The whole shit's going crazy. Yeah, but calm down. We need a plan. If anything's going to change. I don't know. Is uh, St. Louis Red out there? Hey, Red. Is he out there? St. Louis Red. Uh, okay. we wanna. I want to. Speaking of things changing. Look, we get, here, this is the deal. Red's brought to you by ADR Consultants. And everybody knows about ADR, don't they? I do. I know what the A and the D and the R stand for. What do they stand for? Uh, I think you said ethical, honest, and uh, on time. Let's put it this way. <laughs> I'm going to do it in a different way. When the police need help with technology. Yeah, who do they go you, to? When you need to know who shot up whom on the, on the east side and you got to run data and you've got your camera system, right? Yeah. All of this stuff. How do you think that gets put in place? I have no idea. Who does things I, like that? I, is there anybody I can call? A-D-R. A best practices in just about everything. Like, look, the government's so bad at doing it, you call in a firm like ADR. Yeah. Right? You're a construction firm. You got to deal with the government. You call in ADR. He knows his way around. Right? That, that's mm -hmm. basically what it is in a nutshell. Right? You're going to give Barry Ellen Tuck a call. What's his freaking number? See, I, I forgot I forgot the uh, the read. <laughs> but I know <laughs> well, that means what Ellen Tuck does. That's a very honest uh, read then. Guys, in the 248-318-9424. Barry Ellen Tuckett, 248 318 9424. Honest, ethical, smart, a man of the world. You need help with all of it procurement, internet, internet technology. That's it. ADR, Barry Ellen Tuckett. Let's okay. call him. Now, let's hopefully. <laughs> he's been working with Red because uh, this is the seventh anniversary of the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. I covered it. Y'all remember that. Sad time in America. And this is the, this is the street where he's on West Florissant, where Black Lives Matter really took off as a movement. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, since Red's in St. Louis anyway, right, the, the anniversary is early August. It's seven years. Want of Red to just walk around, talk to people, what's changed, what's not, where are we going? I, I think, you know, Ferguson is central to what we're talking about, police, the black community, the white and black community side to side. How you doing, Red? Can you hear me, bro? What's good? How you all doing out there? Real good, man. So um, what'd you find out? What have you been doing? Well, I've been walking around, talking to some folks over here in Ferguson. Uh, the actual seven-year anniversary is August 9th. Uh, we'll make seven years. Um, and I talked to some folks that have been, had businesses over here for many years and was here before, during, and still here after the fact. And basically what was said to me was that since the Michael Brown incident has happened, that the police have just stepped back, really. They, they are not really uh, bothering or harassing anybody in the area, nor are they <laughs> addressing crime. Cell phone shop owner told me last year 
guys broke into a cell phone store and was hanging out for two hours before the police even showed up to address the call. Ver- Ferguson's small. It's like about the size of Oak yeah. Park and uh, the, the racial breakup makeup is like about that, about two thirds black, one third white. You know, I love Oak Park. Shout out to Oak Park. Um, two hours. Someone's lounging in your business. Two hours. Two hours. The guy he said on camera, he watched the guys break in. And then for about 30 minutes, they walked up and down the strip mall to make sure the police wasn't coming and went back in and just continued a thieving business. So most of the people there yeah. don't feel like not much has changed other than maybe the police, like you said, oh, no, stepping no, no, back. No, 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 it's, what am it's, I- it's get the before the police were Gestapo. Yeah. They're knocking yes. heads. They're, they're dragging black people into court, making them, finding them through the roof just to pay for the city. Mm-hmm. I think what Red's saying now is at least on the black right. part of the city, they're not even coming. Wow. Yeah. They, they okay. pretty much uh, ignore uh, Terrell, owner of the phone store, told me the police sit in a lot across the street and literally watch people speed up and down West Florissant Avenue. That's where we're at on West Florissant Avenue. The UPS truck is working. But further down the street is the quick trip that got burnt up. Yeah. It's now Urban League Community Center in Salvation Army. Hey, what the, the police watch it all day long and don't stop anybody. What the guys in the barbershop say? You stop in there? I love those guys. Yeah, I, I talked to the guys in the barbershop, uh, Kino, and he basically said nothing has changed. The police ain't harassing folks like they were. But in the same token, he said the same thing Terrell said in the phone store. They're not engaged. They're not policing. They like ignoring the crime. And the crime has went up in this neighborhood. Matter of fact, Kino stated to me that he doesn't live here and he would not move back here. He did at one point, but he's moved. He won't come back. A customer in the cell phone store said he's seen the crime go up. He got shot two years ago and he rarely comes down here anymore. So this is a result of basically what it would be like without police or policing. So we went from one extreme to the other extreme and nobody's lives improved, right? Somewhere in there, in this little place called Ferguson, very important place, is a lesson for us all. Yeah. And the lesson is, is that no society can run lawfully without police. But you need good police. So let's get good policing. Let's get some good support of the police and make sure we got real police that's going to do the job and not abuse their power. And well then when said. they get checked on it, ignore the problem that's going on. I say red for mayor. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Red, red, red's, look, red's a guy in the streets. Red's telling truth. Well, isn't that what it takes? Someone who's in the streets? Well, you need somebody that knows the street or at least is not afraid of the street or afraid of the people in the street and somebody that's going to give it to you real. I mean, just, I mean, that, and that's just not, it's not, especially now. I mean, all right, let's say, hey, Red, thanks, man. You're cracking up. Uh, nice work. Be safe. Enjoy your vacation. Thank, thank your wife. Love you, wifey. Charlie said thank you. <laughs> he said thumbs up. <laughs> I, I didn't put her to work on our vacation. <laughs> did you make her drive? No, no. Well, yeah, she did drive for two hours yesterday. Um, and then on the, oh, three hours. I'm sorry. It was three hours. I was just informed. And, um, <laughs> 
On the way back, I'll probably have her do at least six of those just to show my appreciation. <laughs> All right, brother. If she don't cuss me out and bust me upside the head. <laughs> <laughs> she might straighten that hairdo out. There'll be a reason for it. <laughs> this is my St. Louis fro. <laughs> a viewer wants you to get another haircut like you did before, uh, Red. Oh, no. All my assignments will be on on time. He will never touch my golden locks again. <laughs> I've never seen Red so affected than he was by that haircut. Yeah, well, he, really was afraid, he was afraid to walk around Detroit with a kid and play high fade because he's going to get his ass beat. He's really shaking. You know how it is. You can't wait for the police. <laughs> hey, oh, you can wait for him. It's just about how long how will long? you be waiting for him? <laughs> Well, drive safely, Red. Good job, bro. Definitely. <laughs> so, all right, man, peace. So, Pastor, did you hear that? Yes. That's a really, that's an amazing report. It is. It's a little um, startling. And one of the things that uh, we just recently uh, did, and it was touch and go, and we don't quite know how this is going to work out. Um, we at the police come to the church. Um, they initiated the conversation. And they said, we would like to have a conversation with some of the uh, young black males in particular in the church okay. and um, see how that go. Of course, the young people, they don't like the police. I've had, had bad experiences, uh, but it was less. Some of them got together, had the conversation and um, the conversation appeared to have went really, really good. I wasn't there that day, uh, but they're going to have other conversations because it's going to be. How do you balance this out? How do you respect what people say when they get, you know, when they honestly and truly get harassed by police? I've been harassed by police. Uh, they didn't know it was Pastor Barry. And um, I, I caused some hell after they harassed me. Um, and how do you bring about that balance to whereas there is respect on both sides where you can hear and you can talk and you can listen? So uh, that's one of the conversations that's going to be ongoing here. And I think we're having another conversation next month. So, um, yeah, this, this, this is strange times. Very yeah. strange times. Hey, look, you know, I, I, I keep saying that the, it's about green. Let's get busy. Like, if we're going to spend all this money, you better figure out an equitable tax system. It can't be on me and Karen and Mark and Red and Barry. Well, Barry doesn't pay taxes. He's a preacher. You know. Oh, the hell I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but to tell you the truth, for the church, I, I don't get paid to be a, a preacher. I don't take money from the church. That's not this is my call, not my job. But see, that's that is what a church is supposed to be. That's and, yep. and, and I, I told somebody yesterday, I'm not a toter, I'm not a quoter. I, church has become too commercialized for me. I try to help people one-on-one, -on -one, but that is what a church is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be to underwrite or, or, or fund, you know, the personal preferences of its so-called leader. So my hat's off to you, Pastor Barry. I mean, the, the well, the pastor is a servant. I serve the community. I'm, I'm not, um, I kind of hate, well, I don't want to say hate, but uh, I'm not so much a leader as I am a servant. My job is to serve the community, to be um, the voice of reason, to be able to um, raise hell when necessary, but point the direction to um, the spirit of God, the creator of I am is only inside of us. 
and there are things that we're going to do. God is not going to come save us from the troubles that's in this world. He gave us dominion. Um, we jacked this up and uh, it is our responsibility and our job to get it right. And we teach the people here. There's a time when you have to get up off your knees and you got to hustle. I and tell you, you what, too, we gotta make it happen. I tell you, you what, like his his masses are great because they're, they're they have the mystery of Catholicism. It feels very Catholic and it has all the the beautiful vibes and music of of a Baptist church. And he has uh, over Christmas, the ass mass. Is that Christmas or is it Easter? That's, um, that's Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, the ass mass. Oh, Jesus with the donkey. To Jerusalem on a donkey. Mm -hmm. So they bring they bring the donkey in the church. Yeah, come as you are. Come as you are. So, <laughs> it is a, you are. Where, where'd you get that donkey it's from? It's a great vibe. Uh, what time are yeah. what time are uh, uh, services? Uh, services right now are at 10 o'clock. The church is now open again. So we've been having church outside. It's going to rain Sunday. So we'll be indoors 10 to 11. 10 to 11. Look at that. It's not don't the three hour deal, you know? Yeah. Now here's, yeah, the, here's where it's located. It's basic. What, what street's it on? East Grand Boulevard and Lafayette, right on the corner. Right, yeah. It's East right, it's right up the street from the bridge to Belle Isle, about yep. two blocks, one block. Yep, two blocks. That's yep. over here, Charlie. That's not far from me. You're gonna get me in church, Pastor. Barry. Exactly. It's a great. It's a well, great time. Is, if, if you come in, just understand there's something you're going to do. We we're not going to preach the by and by. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is already built. It's earth we got to worry about. So our thing is, how do we do that? How do we take our responsibility? Uh, always, it's two things we believe. One, what Muhammad Ali said. He said, when the mission is right, the odds don't matter. So we don't pay attention to the odds. The mission of making sure that people have clean water, the mission that they have housing, education, the pursuit and the right to happiness and safe communities, the mission is right. So don't pay attention to the odds. The other thing that I say at our church is when the people of God stand up, stupid will sit down. The reason why stupid stands up is because we're sitting job, we're sitting down on a job. So we need to get up off our assets, the assets of our responsibility, the work that we need to do, use the power that we have and make it happen. I thank you, brother. There's a no bullshit preacher, man. Okay. I'm going to, I love you, man. And, um, you you can hang with it. I I just I admire you. I admire what you're about and what you've accomplished and what you're doing. And maybe see a, a guy like you would be a waste in city hall. We don't need that. We don't need you behind a desk. So oh listen. So look, I'm gonna give you now a little inside scuttlebutt. Ooh. A little inside political scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt are fascinating. It. You're gonna yeah. want to hear this. Give me the. Which one you want? Uh, this one? Yes. This from the No Bullshit News Hour, brought to you by David Hall Mortgage. Now's the time. Rates are at an all-time low, refinance that house, right? Get out from under the debt, skip a couple of payments, lower your note. DavidHallMortgage.com, 248-308-5000. 248-308-5000. Hurry, people. They'll do it fast for you, too. All right, here's what I got. What do you got? Yeah, I Speaking of preaching... Speaking of preaching, yeah, do you remember former Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick went to yeah, Little Rock? Unfortunately, yeah, and he preached. Yeah, well, the next day, I guess we had a quiet breakfast with <sighs> Mayor, Mayor Mike Duggan in the Eastern Market. That's confirmed. Now, 
my people, I told you, what's my source? My source are people who wash dishes and yeah. cook stuff and, you know, fix stuff and are masons and stuff. The flies on the wall. It's confirmed through the political silo that they didn't meet. The difference is my people say they had some harsh words for each other. Really? I don't know what it was. I, we can guess a million things. Huh. But it wasn't amicable. Hmm. I was going to say, I, I wish I wasn't surprised that they met. You know, but I guess I'm kind of, I'm surprised that they would be a little at odds. Karen, what do you make of that? I don't know, Charlie, but I'd be interested hmm. because you got to remember, you know, the whole McNamara era from, you know, Kwame's father, Jennifer Granholm. I mean, they're all from that, from, from that, yep. from that cloth. The other thing is that, you know, this is an election year. Uh, Duggan understands a lot of people are unhappy and he does understand the implication and the influence that Kwame Kilpatrick does or could still have, especially on black Detroiters. Um, so that's quite interesting. But I did, if you heard, I listened to some of his speech uh, from uh, Little Rock and he said, he he said, I call Mike Duggan as I drove down Woodward and told him I thought he was doing a good job. I thought that was a very odd comment to make mm -hmm. I almost thought there was something else behind it so i don't know interesting uh, I'm, I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to dig around and find out there, myself i think it's important to say that kwame kilpatrick was made by mike duggan mike oh, duggan yes. is the consummate fundraiser yeah. he's the ultimate insider mm -hmm. he's the guy that was plucked from the machine remember it went like this ed mcnamara from livonia number one wayne county number two was mike duggan his hatchet man Number three was Bernard Kilpatrick, the chief of staff. Over to the wing here is Kwame Kilpatrick. Jennifer Granholm was the corporation counsel. It was a whole little mob. So up until the end, Duggan did raise money for Kilpatrick. He did advise Kilpatrick. He, it's, you know, they're creatures of the same lagoon. Who has more to gain from the other one right now? I, don't I think Duggan has more to gain from Kwame, to be honest with you. So maybe Kwame wanted something. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe it was a matter of, you know, I always say, you know, Mike doesn't know politics. He wrote he wrote the book. So, I mean, he would know that now that Kwame is out, he's in the barbershops, you know, he's getting his ministry together. One word from him will, could make a difference for a lot of people in this city. There are a lot of people that are disappointed. The, the few people left that Mike hasn't hired, you know, aren't necessarily <laughs> happy about how things are in this city. Okay, here's the other part I heard. Now, I, I put the call on the Kilpatrick's people. I haven't heard anything. But yeah, he was driving around in a limo and shit. <laughs> okay, so, you know, the Anthenium, the, the, the Greek town. Oh, yeah, yeah. Had a bachelor party there. His representatives went in there, tried to get a tried to get him a free room. They told him to take a fucking walk. <laughs> they told Kilpatrick, take a walk. Really Play learned his lesson, didn't he? Play for they the, went where? The Anthenium? Yeah. Who was that saying this old? Well, you know, when you've been away for eight years, you know. Better than a cell, Karen. What do you want? They don't They don't know all the good news stuff, you know, <laughs> all around town. Where else can you get a free room? Apparently not there. It's back to limos and suites. Oh, what the man. fuck is going on, Barry? Jeez, well, like you said, like, nothing is changing. I'll tell you what, man. If I'm the mayor, right? Yeah. Of Detroit. Yeah. I'm not meeting no. in a quiet little restaurant with the mayor of Detroit who is guilty. Yeah. It's, you know, he, he only got a commutation for ripping off the city. Yeah. What what does that? And the commutation doesn't change any Bad of the stuff that he did. It happened. I, that's ridiculous. I don't know why he would do that. Bad luck. He's out. No, you, we a, move on. I, I would like to hear an apology. <laughs> when I hear the apology, 
then I'll forgive. You'll be waiting. Because I know what all, all that administration did. Yeah. I know the children that died, the ambulance that didn't show up, the firefighters who were injured, the cops who were under-equipped. Unbelievable. I, I know what happened. Unbelievable, man. So that, that's just where I'm at. Oh, that's good it. info, though. Okay. That is a scuttlebutt. Thank you very much. Officially. Now, for the final part of our show, as we've been doing, um, it's our remembrance of 9-11. This is the 20-year anniversary this year. We refuse to do a one-day special. It was too much for that. Yeah. And, and again... This is brought to you by the bricklayers and the light craft workers local too, who need skilled bricklayers and caulkers to help build and restore the projects throughout Michigan. There is a lot of work. The pay is excellent. There's a real pension plan that they're not going to loot. Hmm. Fully paid health insurance plus a $2,000 signing bonus, right? The demand for skilled trial trades is at an all-time high. They have apprenticeships and free training opportunities for those looking for a real career. Just uh, go to bricklayers.org and click join BAC. Right in the middle of the site. Tough Thank job, but a great job. Thanks for sponsoring yeah. us. Okay, listen. Remember a couple weeks ago, I told you about Bernie Heron in Rockaway. Yeah. And 90 people in the Rockaway Peninsula died. His son died. Yeah. Okay, this is Bernie part two. This is two months later. The Harbor Lights. The, the bar. He owns yeah. a bar. Yep. Fireman's bar. Okay. So this is almost two months to the day. Of the last story where I left you, where it was the gloomy eyes. Yes. Bernie Heron knew something was going to happen. He just knew it, and he'd been saying so for the last few weeks. It's important to say a few things here about Bernie, whose son Charlie died in the World Trade Center massacre. He lost many old friends from the fire department there. He lost many friends from the neighborhood there. The cook at his bar, Harbor Light, lost his brother there. Their brother lived above the bar. Nine weeks after the attack, Bernie was not convinced that Dawn had broken on his nightmare. Then, last Monday morning, American Airlines Flight 587 fell out of the sky and crashed kitty corner to his bar on Newport Avenue near Beach 130th Street in Bell Harbor, Queens. As one side of the block burned, people on the other watched in horror. A retired fireman, Bernie made his place available for the rescuers who were pulling charred bodies from the wreckage. Drinks were on the house, and Bernie had had plenty himself. No one passed judgment on him but to say, Bernie is one of the best damn men ever to have walked the shores of the Rockaway. The bar grew full as the day wore on, as the firefighters were dismissed, and the fire dissipated to smoke, and smoke became dust, and the dust became particles. They drank by candlelight and a lamp lit by a generator, and somehow the beer stayed cold. A haze of cigarette smoke and fuel vapors hung like stiffened laundry. The chief walked in with his white helmet and started barking orders. I thought I told you men wearing bunker gear to get the hell out of this bar, the chief growled. I don't want to see men in uniform drinking. Now clear out. His timing and his tone struck the firemen as extravagant and overdone. And though the men were aflame in adrenaline, they were obedient to the chief, who was a small but intimidating man. All this job is anymore is pulling bodies, said a fireman in bunker gear as he filed out the door. Anymore and I'm going to crack up. A small trenchant man, a firefighter who was not in uniform, shouted unpleasant things about the chief's mother. And at this point, Bernie Heron, the fine man from Rockaway, stepped in the middle. Come on, this is a fireman's bar, 
He told the chief, take it easy. Bernie, the chief said, I love you, but stay out of this. Looking into Bernie's tormented eyes, the chief hugged him with his hands and walked out. Life will go on. We'll be okay, Bernie said to the fireman. Now finish your drinks. Never forget. When I move my body just like this, I don't know why, but I feel like freedom. I hear a song that takes me back, and I let go with so much freedom. Thanks for being here, Pastor. Appreciate it. Try love one night. Please. 